Hello and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Tom Wharton, founder of Barrington Air Shirtmaker and Tailor Limited. And I'm going to pull a short clip from the website, which you can find, by the way, at barringtonair.co.uk. Luxury made in England, bespoke and made to order clothing for men and women. We make the finest bespoke and made to order clothing for men, women and children. Individual luxury is our specialty and we have a real niche in the tweed wedding market. Early 2019, we see, we see the launch of our new luxury lifestyle hub right here in Sirencester, providing a new concept in retail, allowing people to experience and learn about a luxury lifestyle in a relaxed and welcoming location. Life is about experiences, so start yours with us today. Okay, so that interview of Tom to come, and it was a real fun 20 or so minutes. Tom talks about the impact that lockdowns are having on tailors and how he in particular is learning to adapt And the story of Barrington Air as well, for people that might be familiar with the brand already, you'll enjoy the backstory of how it all started and where it's heading today. So stay tuned, all that to come. But before we get to Tom, don't forget to check out the show notes at www.menswearstyle.co.uk and on the social at menswearstyle. And if you want to tell us about your brand, you want to come on the show, be a guest and tell us about your journey, you can email us here at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. Okay. So let's get to it. This is a good one. I hope you enjoy it. Here is that interview with Tom Wharton, founder, managing director of Barrington Air Shirtmaker and Taylor Limited. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Great. How's life in Sirencester? Uh, <laughs> it's it's story. It could be a lot worse. To be fair, we're, we're very lucky. You know, I've got the got fields from the back door. It's I can walk. We take the dog for a walk out there. It's there aren't many people around, and it's yeah. So it could be a lot worse. Put it that way. And for people that don't know, perhaps maybe some of our American audience, whereabouts is Sirencester? <laughs> So Sirencester is it said it's the it's the heart of the Cotswolds. So most people sort of know where Cheltenham is for the Cheltenham races. We're about ten miles south from there. So um, we're a lovely little market town, very pretty, medieval. Sort of hasn't changed in hundreds and hundreds of years because it's still got little lanes, little roads. I mean, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful little place. Um, and yeah, it's it's, it's Gosh, it's really rather nice to be fair. <laughs> it, it looks fantastic in the photos, I've, I've got to say. And people are, yeah. people are visiting, maybe they're coming from London. It's about a two-hour drive and change, maybe from the M4 down to Sirencester yeah, I mean, and Cotswolds. Even sooner than that, I mean, if you get a good run, like, I suppose, obviously, obviously you're not going at the moment, but if you did go and the roads are quieter, you, you can be in London an hour and a half, hour and a half to, to, to Birmingham, an hour and a half, you're sort of down on the coast, and it's a couple of hours down to Devon, Cornwall. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, everyone thinks you're stuck in the middle of nowhere, but actually, an hour and a half, you can pretty much get anywhere you want to. Yeah. Well, Tom, please tell me a little bit about yourself and Barrington Air. I believe it's been going for uh, 10 years or so, is that right? Yeah, I think, I think it's our 11th year, actually, this year. So, right. um, yeah, so Barrington Air, Shirt American Taylor, we set up initially just as a bespoke shirts maker. Um, which I ran sort of evenings and weekends. So I was sort of self-funding while still <laughs> doing a job. That's escalated that people then started asking for us to make suits and clothing. 
Um, and it sort of developed from there. So we went straight. So now we make literally everything. So where we are here, obviously, we, we have a big base of tweed, um, big country lifestyle brand here. But again, I've got a lot of customers in America, Australia. Um, we used to do a lot of business in Norway, bizarrely. It was a, I used to go out a couple of times a year to Norway and, and see people, which is, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's growing and, and we, we, we've got a lovely little showroom right in the middle of Sirencester, uh, right in the middle of the marketplace. So it looks out over the marketplace, really great little, great little setting, old listed building, um, beautiful sort of wood panels, but it's got no insulation. So it's, it's <laughs> controlling the temperature in both summer and winter is always fun. Um, and then we've also got a little workroom on top where we've got a Savaroterian Taylor who she's been working with us for a year now. Um, and that's where we sort of base our, we make all our unstructured clothing up there, ladies wear, and we're sort of developing more clothes to go up there and get a few more sort of tailors in to, to, to grow that side of the business as well. Right. And just dialing back a little bit, what experience did you have as a tailor before you opened? Did you go to fashion school or pattern curtain school? No, but, but well, I'd, I'd had a tailor's with a friend of mine in London um, when I lived up there. He asked me to come and join him to, to, to help. It was a full, just suits initially. And he actually brought me on board to make the, to run the shirt side of things. So I trained with him um, and the tailors up in Leeds for before I started this. Unfortunately, he, he, I mean, we had quite a fun, we were quite young, you know, early 20s, um, made a lot of clothes for nightclub owners in London. We did things for like the Gumball Rally. We did some really fun things that unfortunately my business partner sort of thought that he was a nightclub owner uh, and used to spend most of his time in the nightclubs. And um, then I got a phone call, unfortunately, one day from our accountants asking where, where the money was. Uh, Chris was out in America at the time and we were making some suits in a little, so we sort of set up a New York office and he ended up in Mexico with a film producer, uh, living it up like a film producer, unfortunately with our money. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a little awkward, but it forced <laughs> me to get out of London, uh, run away to the country, countryside and, um, sort of, yeah, soul search and, and start again, really. Wow. That sounds like a, this guy's got a crazy book in him. Uh, <laughs> well, I think there probably is there probably is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um well getting back to you uh tom so you moved to sirencester and would you say that you developed a house style i know sean shana's uh your uh, master tailor there and she's got a savile road background yeah Do, would you say that you're you have a signature style in your bespoke area and is that savile row inspired um yeah. It is, but it's probably more, it's a very English look. So it's a very wasted um, jacket and, and very fitted trousers. More is a more, more sort of tapered trousers. I mean, it's not necessarily, we don't really have a house look. We, we very much work with everyone as, as, you know, people have such different opinions and, and different looks as the joy of perspective that they can have whatever they want. But our, I suppose our sort of signature look is a very English, um, that sort of uh, get Carter sort of look it's it's a very sharp um very traditional tailoring it, it just it's just a great look that will never go out of fashion um i mean obviously we make stuff that's completely different to that but that's if, if you say we had a house look that is our sort of house look 
So if someone comes in and says, I would like to have the mohair Doug Hayward suit as seen on Michael Caine and Get Carter, will he get oh. a special 25% discount just for being really cool? <laughs> we're, always, we're always up for deals and negotiating, yeah. <laughs> but if they say, I'd like the Sylvester Stallone version of the Get Carter, then uh, the price goes up a little. Well, yeah, we do some we do some interesting looks, but he, a lot of people have their own styles. And so we, we accommodate all that sort of stuff, yeah. <laughs> interesting and so what's the, the landscape for you like now in terms of I mean we're recording this mid-January mid-lockdown I mean what was it like first time around in lockdown and how has how have you adapted for the second time around uh, I mean for the first time was I think the fact that it was such a a shock because no one had ever really got to that side we didn't know what it was going to be like we we set up because of the way we work we we have the sort of top two floors of a listed building so there's a, there used to be a jewelers underneath um unfortunately they've gone now due to due, due to lockdown but um there is somebody moving in fact which is great but we, we could keep very sort of separated and, and because we're appointment only we were never you know we don't masses of people in so we were, we were able to really work up until the first lockdown um it was a strange very odd place to be because there was only really myself and sean and uh, a little cafe where i get my lunch across the road with the only people open in sarancester we were sort of holding on till we were given the sort of the the the, 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 the yeah. um up shop and then it was i don't know lie it was hideous you know the fact that someone suddenly turns around and goes right basically we're taking away your everything you can do your livelihood is gone effectively over like if you know if we'd gone tits up and it was a mistake that i'd made and it was something that, that you so you can live with that you think well fair enough that was i learned from that but it was that horrible fact um and my wife works in luxury travel or did work in luxury travel so her industry had suddenly just been cut as well the, trying to get your head around the fact that we had to homeschool. Um, I used to run summer schools, so I had had some experience, but I don't think my kids were overly impressed <laughs> with the whole thing. But you just adapt. I mean, it's the nice, the one good thing about being an independent shop is that you can adapt, and we have to adapt. Um, and the first one, I took a punt on, I bought a load of face masks um, before they became mandatory. Uh, and I don't know if you know, Michael Vaughan, the ex-England cricketer, is one of our shareholders. And we've worked with him for a long time. Um, and he very kindly pinged out a Twitter thing about our face masks. Uh, and they just sold like wildfire for for a month. So that sort of got us through a month. The government gave us a, a, a grant, which is very kind of them. But I mean, it's, it's it doesn't cover any, <laughs> it, it, it's I'm not going to complain because it's free money. But when you're paying for everything else still as well, it's, yeah, you know, for that, that's the side. So... Yeah, and because it had Sean, and we could still manufacture, we could keep everything separated. She could work from home, so we could still make. Um, so we had patterns from people before, so people were very good, and, and so we sent out fabrics. Um, we had done, because I got some a number of customers in Australia and Norway and, and America, we'd done a number of fittings and appointments via video. So I knew how to do it. I knew it worked. I knew the, what hadn't worked while we initially did it. So that was good. Um, and yeah, we were very lucky that we, we had great support through the time. And then when it opened up, everyone came came straight back, and it and it, and it was great until yeah. lockdown two. <laughs> well, lockdown. You, you mentioned a couple of things. I want I wanted to touch upon two things there. The 
the the philosophical approach you have to have i think in in these times i remember when i was running an independent fashion shop just outside of cambridge we were right out in the sticks right out in the fields uh, so footfall was quite light anyway people would have to make a special journey get in their cars to come and see us and the council actually dug up the road the main capillary as it were that was coming into the heart of the town to do maintenance and it was going on for like it must have gone on for about three or four months and it just took the rug from out from under us and you know as a company it was just me and my best friend from school we were saying if it was something that we'd done if we misspent or if we made poor decisions along the way you can take that on the chin but things that kind of hit you sideways or blindside you that you don't see coming you almost have to take on this well (laughs) it's a different mindset that you have to take isn't it to try and get over these these bumps right it really is and it's and it you know it brings a lot to light i phoned my insurance company because we had business interruption insurance that i've been paying through the nose for and then it turns out because this is a, a new disease although i'm covered for the black death the plague and they basically it's a named disease policy and a new disease apparently doesn't arrive so even so we didn't get any cover of that so even with the new ruling from yesterday i phoned them again they're like yeah no it's in your policy read your policy like oh good so it's it was just a constant kicking but i think i mean i think if you if, if you've, got, you've run your own business you know and things and, and entrepreneur stuff and, and and that side of things you you've just got to adapt you've got to if you if you get negative about it, if you get down about it, you're done for. Yeah, you've just got to try positivity, and, and if if, any, if it doesn't work out at the end of it, but you've tried everything, and you've at least you can sit back and go, well, I tried it. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's not great, but mm. it, I mean it obviously has to be done because um, of the way of the things. But yeah. And and the second thing you touched upon, Tom, also about how people do virtual appointments now and you can kind of see what works and what doesn't work. Are, are these going to be things that you can utilize in the future, for example, for clients overseas, perhaps, that might want to have something bespoke? You can go, well, look, we've tried and tested this now, the, the online fittings and the video fittings. Let's let's see if we can you know leverage that and use that as a tool going forward. Yeah, I mean, we did. We, we, we've used it for years, actually. Um, the Australian, the Norwegians, because I used to be able to go and do a trip out there, it, it was it was great. So I could do, I'd go out for a week and, and a couple of times a year and see people. We had quite a good little following in Australia. I don't quite know how, but it happened. <laughs> I think, I think if you felt, I think it was the cricket thing and the ashes, and it sort of evolved from there. And we've always done these sort of video fittings. Um, the first two were a bit hairy uh, and you know, and, and I got a very good relationship with an alterations tailor in Australia who could help with those. The customers were great and they, they understood and we worked with it. So actually they work, we knew how they work. We knew what to do with it. We knew that they do work. We could show people when they were doing it. Um, I don't think it'll ever, I mean, there will still, people will still do it. And, and But I don't see, we're a tactile company, you know, you've got to feel the fabric. You've got to build a relationship and, you know, Zoom's, you know, Zoom, but you, it's not the same. You don't pick up on the little things. You don't have the little bits of banter. You don't, there's, there's, it's not the same. You're not sharing a coffee or a drink or anything. You just don't get the same feeling and, and the sort of feeling the fabric and you understand what the person, while you're talking to them, you suddenly go, oh, that's what, okay, brilliant. Have a look at this fabric. Have a look at that. You know, it just, they will, we'll still use it. I'm sure we will for the Australian customers and the, and the, and the guys abroad, but I certainly don't think it's going to make, be a, a huge new part of our business 
That's uh, yeah, that's really interesting, actually, because I I did find that when I was on your website earlier and going through a few videos, thinking, oh, God, I really miss going into a tailor's, even if I'm just having a kind of shop around, you know, the sitting down, the talking, you know, the whiskey, there's a, there's a great little video where you're showing, um, you, I think your dog Monty kind of right by the fireplace. Well, yeah, like, yeah. I was like, it's these things that you can't really replace um, and you can't put into words as an effect it's the feeling that you get like the smell of a place like it might even be the smell of a you know um a nice armchair or something like that it's all of the kind of elements it's a sensory experience when you go to a tailor's um and uh, yeah i think people are really missing that i know i am. they do and it's and, and, it, and it is an experience i mean that's the whole it is an experience that's that's the whole thing we try and sell that i mean we we have people just coming in because we've got the big tv in there so when like, like it would have been Today the cricket's on. The cricket would have been on. People used to, you know, just come in. They go and sit in the showroom. If I'm seeing other people in the consultation room, and Monty comes and sits down next to them. They come say hello to him, have a coffee, just chat, say hi, possibly bump into somebody else. So, you know, it it just creates this lovely sort of feel. And yeah, you miss. You, well, we all we're, we're a tactile species. You know, yeah. that, I think that's. I, I had a chat to a customer on the phone yesterday, and, and we were just talking about. He, a bit older and, and he said you know during the war when he was younger and and he said it didn't you could still go and hug people you know mm. it was worse obviously and but he said you know when there was bad news when things weren't going well you could you still could go and hug someone you could actually physically have and that was a huge important a huge important thing and we can't do that now and, and I think yeah I think people underestimate that that's missing that really don't they yeah yeah well i know i am i'm, I'm sure loads of other people too yeah. uh, tom talk a little bit about please the so the bespoke element of the business is sean and she does is she just the the one girl band putting the garments together or do you outsource it to other tailors etc when it gets busy how does that work we've got we've had we have a, a workrooms up in leeds um right. and then we've got sean upstairs and then there's another girl who who works for me but is in london at the moment um, and I have another guy who's at home, but he's in Herefordshire. So we sort of, it's, it's, it's a, at the moment, it's a bit of a hit. For, but it it works. You know, they, they, we've, got, they've got the machines at home and things. It, it works on that side. Um, having people with the Sean upstairs, it's just, it's just, see, you know, I, I love seeing it. It's like I miss going to the mills. I miss seeing the fabric being produced. I miss the smells, the sort of, the, the buzz, the noise. The, and I think that's what, what, it does. I'm missing customers. You know, obviously, missing mm. customers. It's it's. Um, but yes. Yeah, so we so we have to so outsource leads. We do make some stuff in France. We make some of our shirts in France. Um, mm. We have got the potential to make abroad if need be as well. Um, and then we make um, also un- unstructured things, bits upstairs, and, and other bits in London as well. We've got another workroom we work with a with, with a chap who I've known for seven or eight years who used to do it, retired, but still makes for me. So. And you go to London as well with trunk shows and various samples and stuff like that still. So, uh, well, when the world goes back to spinning, <laughs> uh, Yeah, we, we still have a, a sort of full visiting service. So I, I do spend time in London, um, up north as well, down through the southwest. I mean, I'll go everywhere, really, as long as if, if we've got customers dot all over the place. So, But it just seems to see more people prefer coming to the studio, really, and go to the showroom than they have done for a long time. But, yeah, we still have a visiting service, so it's nice. I like it. It's nice getting out, you know, see yeah. people. <laughs> well, 
And how's the women's wear going? Has that always been an arm of the business or was that introduced later on when Sean joined? That was introduced later on. We, we used to do the odd bits and pieces um, and we did a lot of coats where wives of customers said, look, I've got this amazing coat that I've had for years. Any chance you can copy it in a different fabric? Like, yeah, that's fine. So we do that. And then with Sean on, on board, we started developing a ladies wear, um, more of a made to order rather than a bespoke initially. Right. But that's grown into a full bespoke range as well now. Um, but it's 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 something that we were seeing more of. Um, we just had to retrain for, for female bodies and, and different formats. And it is a completely different it ball is, game. Yeah. But it's great because sometimes women can be a little bit more adventurous over right. their clothing. So, yeah, it was, it was just a, it just seemed a natural thing to bring on. Um, and we were really going to do a huge launch during December <laughs> And um, and things and but uh, Joss Butler, the England cricketer, his wife was going to come on board and help as well. Um, but we've had to put that on hold until well, so we'll whenever, we can, whenever we can. But hopefully it'll be spring. Yeah. Well, Tom, people in the meantime can check out the website, obviously BarringtonAir.co.uk and uh, Instagram as well, Barrington Air to follow the journey. Uh, and I wish you wish you all the best of luck. I'm, you know, I'm sure you'll come out stronger on the other side of this, and we'll, uh, well, we'll certainly enjoy coming down to the shop if people are either visiting Sirencester or Cheltenham. Um, anywhere around, just the castle, just a nice place to go and hang out and yeah, yeah watch out. Yeah. Any excuse. <laughs> so, if you could only pick one <laughs> one <laughs> rounder for your right, your captain of the England team, Tom. Yeah. Uh, and you're only allowed to have one all-rounder. Is it going to be Ben Stokes, Andrew Flintoff, or Ian Botham? I think it's got to be Stokes. I think Stokes is a step above. Flintoff was great in his in his pomp, but he never really excelled. He never got quite where he should have been, especially with the bats. With the bat, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he had. And I think... Stokes has just got something that it's ridiculous, really. We're, you know, we're of a, of a, I don't think I don't think anyone could quite. I mean, there are some pretty talented cricketers out there, but there's something when he can, you know, a proper game changer. He can just turn it around out of nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it would be Stokes. <laughs> yeah, good choice. <laughs> Where were you when we won the one day? The one day. Uh, World Cup. So well, I mean, oh, I was at, I was at home actually. I was I was here, um, and my wife was giving me abuse because the tennis was, was on bath time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. and she's like, oh, and they were kicking off upstairs, and oh, we've got three young kids, and they were all causing havoc in the bath. And she was like, oh, I was like, it's the World Cup final, <laughs> um, and then they were sitting in the bath. And actually, when we won, she was like, what was that? And there was a roar went off all the way down the street, and you suddenly realised how many people were watching it, and this sort of yeah, it was extra, extraordinary. I mean, talk about drama. You couldn't have written it any better, I don't think. Oh, it was great. I was, I was in the pub with my girlfriend and we were watching the tennis. So they had the tennis final on and memory serves, it's Nadal and Federer. I might have screwed that up. I think it was Nadal Federer and it was like one of them five-setter ongoing things. Yeah. And we've got the cricket going on the other TV. And of course... The whole pub is watching the cricket and no one's giving two Fs about the tennis, <laughs> apart from my girlfriend who's watching tennis and doesn't give two Fs about cricket. <laughs> and I was constantly trying to explain to her the joys of cricket is that everything is coming down to the last ball and it's a draw and then it's an extra over and it's Ben Stokes. And 
everything was culminating. Like it was like the perfect melting pot of things going right for England. And I said, look, you'll never see anything like this ever again. This is just like the one-off of one-offs. And I got it on video. I'll have to WhatsApp it to you when we actually won. Uh, the whole pub just explodes. Oh. It explodes for like a whole minute. I mean, it's... And, my, and then I found to my girlfriend and she's just sitting down going, get me the hell out of it. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, it was just, because um, we're very lucky, we make stuff for Joss Butler. Um, and he is possibly one of the nicest people in the world ever. And I, I just sent him a WhatsApp, I, you know, pinged him a thing, saying, mate, unbelievable. And he, and he always, always replies. Well, oh. Wherever he is in the world, whatever, he always says thank you. I mean, not I expect him to reply because you get millions, but he just... So, and it was just, he, I mean, I think he just replied just saying, I can't believe it. Just unreal. <laughs> and that was it. And he just think, yeah, I mean, what a moment. What a moment. I thought you were going to say you text him whilst he's batting and he still replies. <laughs> <laughs> he just pulls it out of one of his pads and goes, All Yeah, right. look at that. No, I, I couldn't, Not I don't think busy. I was excited at that point. I couldn't think I was going to use my fingers and thumbs if I'd wanted to. It's just standing there, pacing around the floor, going, Oh my word. Oh my word. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, what a day. I'm going to have to relive it. I'll have to send you the video of that. But... Oh, do I know. Any, any excuse to relive those again is brilliant. In the meantime, Tom, thanks for jumping on. Uh, Barringtonair.co.uk is a place to stop by and, and certainly have a look at some of the, the ready-to-wear sections as well. That's, uh, yeah, well, and, that's we've, well, it's, and it's on Instagram, and we've just launched the new jumpers that we've, which is a sort of thing for this, for this lockdown, these new Submariner jumpers we're making uh, in Macclesfield. So yeah. they'll, 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 they'll launch it in this month as well. So, yeah. And did I notice there was a, a chance to win one of those over on the There website? is, there is, there is. There's a competition online on the website. Um, so that goes on until well, the end of the month when they when they all get, get come out. Awesome, great. Yep, people can definitely go over and check that out. Tom, thanks for taking time out on your weekend, mate, and, um, no, and all the best. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Very nice to meet you, and hopefully, uh, yeah, speak to you again soon. You too. Take care, mate. Take care. Bye. How about that, or should I say, how's that? All right. As you can appreciate, I could have talked to Tom for hours about cricket and the eternal joys it can bring a man. And as a special treat, I'm going to play you about 30 seconds or so of that clip that I alluded to when I was talking to Tom. The moment when England beat New Zealand to win the Men's World Cup for the first time after one of the most amazing games of cricket ever played. It was tied twice, would you believe? In an emotional and electric atmosphere at Lords, both sides scored 241 in their 50 overs and were level on 15 when they batted for an extra over apiece. It meant England were crowned world champions by virtue of having scored more boundary fours and sixes, 26 to New Zealand's 17 in the entire match. I mean, what a way to win a game. So you'll forgive the bad language. None of it from me, I might add, but as you might expect, emotions were running high. So, I could go on about the Ashes victory in 2005. Maybe I'll tell you more about that another time, another place. In the meantime, make sure you're supporting the good guys. Head over to www.barringtonair.co.uk and treat yourself or your loved one to some awesome high-quality shirts, suits, masks, etc. 
And that's it from my end. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, do leave us a review. It does help our egos. And until next time.